Saul had persecuted Christians. And Jesus said, it was me who you were persecuting. Yeah, you were persecuting them, but that was against me. That's my body. That's my church. And so in that moment when Jesus came before Saul, he changes Saul's hearts and Saul becomes a believer. And one of the things in that moment when Saul is converted that that, that is known to Saul is this. Jesus lets him know, I'm going to show you how much you have to suffer for my name. You, Saul, had caused the suffering, but now that you know me and now that you're on my team, I'm going to show you what it means to suffer for my name. And suffer he did. Before we go to Colossians, I want to read a portion out of 1 Corinthians. Excuse me, 2 Corinthians. This is Saul. Now his name is, is, is Paul. That's what he's, been, he's called as a Christian. And it says this. That he's had imprisonments with countless beatings and often near death. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews 40 lashes less once. That means five times Saul had been whipped. And they believed that if you were whipped 40 times, you would die. And so he was whipped within one whipping of losing his life. That had happened five times to Paul. He says as well, three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. That one time they dragged him out, they stoned him. They thought he was dead. They left him outside the city because they thought he was dead. And finally he revived. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys. In danger from rivers. Danger from robbers. Danger from my own people. And danger from Gentiles. Danger in the sea. Danger in the wilderness. Danger at sea. Danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship, through many sleepless nights, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. And apart from other things, there's the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. So Paul knew something about suffering. When Jesus said, I'm going to show you what it means to suffer for my name. He wasn't kidding. Five times with all those lashings, three times beaten with rods, sleepless nights, shipwrecked several times. I mean, Paul suffered for the name of Jesus. I've never suffered those things except for maybe a sleepless night and anxiety over you. (laughs) Okay, that'll keep me up at night. But Paul knew he was going to have to suffer. But he was a great Christian. Why? And Paul's going to go on and explain today in Colossians that he suffered and he was, he was given affliction, not because he was having to pay something back for Jesus. Not because of what Jesus did on the cross was insufficient for Paul's sin. But the Lord was working through the sufferings of Paul so that it would be a greater message of the gospel. Because he's going to go on and talk about in this passage today how there's this, this mystery that he has. And it's, it's a hard mystery. It's a hard story to understand. And oftentimes it's better understood against the background of suffering. And that in the midst of that, that as he suffers, and then there's this opportunity to give this, this mystery, this story of Jesus, of Christ in us. 
that there comes this chance to have baby Christians who can't stay Christians, but there was an opportunity for, for Paul to help them grow into the maturity of their faith. And so that's kind of the background for today. The Saul's Paul is going to talk about his suffering as an opportunity for Jesus to be ever lifted up in this, this mystery of Christ to be made known and that the church might be matured towards Jesus. So let's take a look at that real quick. Colossians chapter 1, in verse 24, it says this, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I'm filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is the church. Now again, Paul's not saying that what Jesus did on the cross left something still to be done for sins. Everything that was needed for you to be saved and for the Colossians to be saved was accomplished by Jesus on the cross. Only his blood can take away your sin. Paul's blood cannot take away your sin. The sacrifices your mom and dad did cannot take away your sin. What Pastor Billy did in leading you towards Jesus did not take away your sin. But when they served Jesus and they spent sleepless nights praying for you, and maybe they underwent hard times for you. It was all to bring you the great story, the good news of Jesus Christ. So that it would be that amazing grace. As I said, up against the background of suffering, the gospel becomes awesome. Uh, yesterday, uh, we had the opportunity to go and watch many of Johnston County's big and up-and-coming stars. Uh, one of our own, Kaylee Johnson, was in a, in a production of many Disney uh, drama performances over at the Benson uh, Auditorium. And so we went over there, and, and there's all the classics. And, and, and there was Kaylee doing an, an awesome job as Jiminy Cricket. It was awesome, Kaylee. Great job. It was, it was amazing. And here are all these stories that this this magical kingdom and Walt Disney have produced, uh, you know, the Lion King and, and there's Aladdin and there's Cinderella. Now, Cinderella, what a great story, right? But wouldn't that story be lacking if you stripped out of Cinderella all the suffering that she did? Because the story of Cinderella would just be boring if you had this girl who got dressed up and went to the ball, right? Amen, yeah. You never thought you'd say amen to Cinderella, did you? So you have this girl who's, who's suffering and she's afflicted. And she's going through a torture of these stepsisters and a stepmom. And what makes the story epic is that by the time that she is brought to a place of becoming the princess, the slipper is on her foot and she goes away to live happily ever after. The epic climax sits against the backdrop of all the suffering and affliction she went under right so make those stories great how much also is the greatness of the gospel of jesus christ when it is up against the suffering of both jesus and then those who are proclaiming the good news of jesus because paul is suffering his message has that greater of an impact in people and so paul says man i've suffered and I've been afflicted for your sake. And he goes on to describe what it is that he's trying to say. He says, 
And it's for the church, verse 25, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. To them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So there'd there'd been this gospel where God became man and he suffered and died and he takes his blood and he washes people's sin. But not only that, but then once you become a believer, he comes and he lives inside you. You know, that hasn't been common knowledge for forever. Paul says that that was hidden and it was a mystery. And then, because people like Paul were given this message, they were stewards. They were people who had that and they cared for it and they brought it to people. He had a stewardship. Something was given to him to go make known to people. And the same is true for you. Do you know that? It's easy for us to say, well, let let the Pauls do it. Let the Billys do it. Let the Billy Grahams do it. Let somebody else do it because they're the ministers. But in reality, when you come to faith, you have been given a stewardship of the gospel. You may not have a whole church that you're, you're, you're ministering to. You might be a father with kids. Your opportunity as a father is not only to put clothes on your kids. Your opportunity as a dad isn't just to be able to make sure that they know how to go get a job and keep it. That, those are good things. But your opportunity as a dad is to recognize that into your hands, you are a steward of children that are not your own. They have been put into your hands and they're God's. And with that stewardship comes not only the opportunity to teach them what it is to have a work ethic and what it is to, 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 to go to school, but to say, here's Jesus. Here's this mystery of Jesus. I want to tell you about Jesus. You're a steward of somebody. And Paul says it was my stewardship to have this word of God and to give it to the Colossians. It's for you. It's for you. And he goes on to describe where he's trying to take them. He says this, to him we proclaim warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. So his goal isn't that just people know, but that they continue to grow and mature because you can't stay where you're at. You've got, you've got to grow. Why? Because you are also going to become a steward. Some of you dads might have just said, wait a second, I, I know how to tell my kid how to work. I know how to make sure that he, 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 he goes and does the right thing or she does the right thing, but I have not the first clue what to tell them about Jesus. You need to mature. You need to grow up in your faith. That's part of my job is to help you to mature, to know Jesus better, to know the word of God better so that when you sit down with your children, you can read the Bible with them. You're taking this mystery, something that the world doesn't know, something that was hidden in ages past, and you're telling it to children so that they can grow closer with God. You are a steward. You, you've been given something in your hands to take care of your kids. You might say, well, I'm not a dad, so that doesn't apply to me. No, you've got neighbors. Those neighbors are yours to steward. You've got coworkers. They're yours to steward. You need to, to grow up in your faith, and you need to be able to, to present the gospel, this ministry, in some way. Paul says, that was my job. 
I've been given this gospel, and it's, it's not just for me to have. I can't just sit here in comfort and say, I've been saved. I've been blessed. I'm just going to stand here and sing worship songs all day because I'm just feeling good in the Lord. And Paul knew Jesus. Jesus said, I'm going to show you how much you have to suffer for my name because I'm going to use your suffering, Paul. I'm going to use the hardship. I'm going to use the trials. I'm going to use the, the situations in your life to be a backdrop so that the gospel can be presented to people. I'm going to use it so that you can grow up other people in Christ. And I don't know about you, but if, when I, if I were to be Paul and, and also as God approaches me and says, Jason, you too have a ministry. You too are to help steward these kids, steward this church, steward your family, steward neighbors. I don't know about you, but I'm like, how am I going to do that? That's where I love this last verse. For this I toil, for this I work, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. See, Paul can't do it on his own. There's no way he could have endured all the flogging, all the beating, all the shipwrecks, being stoned, being, being called names, being persecuted. There's no way he could have done that on top of all the teaching and preaching and traveling that he had to do if it wasn't God's energy powerfully working within Paul. It was God in him. He was the one. So where this applies to us, well, where does this come down to Unity Church? A lot of talk about suffering today, Jason. There's a lot of talk about affliction. Where's the Happy Father's Day message? Someone asked the other day, Pastor, I look over at churches over here, and I look over at churches over here, and I take a look at our church, and I wonder, why aren't churches growing? Why isn't the church growing? We live in the Bible Belt. You might even call it the buckle. Why isn't the church growing? You know, I believe the church is not growing. I don't believe the church is willing to suffer. I don't believe we're willing to suffer. I don't believe I'm at a place where I'm willing to be afflicted on a lot of occasions. I don't believe the church in America is at a place where we will say, we are willing to give up the comforts of our church and our life and our religiousness and all that we've known. We're willing to put that on the line so against the background of the suffering of our church, we might go proclaim the gospel. We might take people to Jesus. We might put on a VBS even though it hurts us. And I know for a lot of you, you've given and you have struggled. But unwillingly, maybe. I'm talking in generalities. I'm not looking at anybody in particular. I just know. But if you look at the world today where the churches are growing, do you know where the church is growing most? In the countries where the church is suffering. Where the church is under persecution. Oh, we need a heart that's willing to suffer. What does suffering look like now? I don't see anybody beating down these doors to 
to hurt me today. And I'm, I'm thankful for that. But man, a lot of the affliction and the suffering that we go under now is saying something like, you know what, I'm willing to turn off the television today and to pick up my Bible. I'm willing to suffer that, <laughs> you know, really, suffering? You know, I, I, I'm willing for other kids to say, you're dumb, so I can go be friends maybe with somebody who doesn't have a friend. You know, I, I'm willing to allow me to stop having some of these luxuries in life to go over and help these kids who don't have dads, who don't have moms. I'm willing to put my schedule on hold to go share with a neighbor about Jesus. I am willing to suffer in ways that right now, this is how we are called to suffer because unless we do, we should not be expecting the church to grow. We need to be willing to suffer. We need to be willing to be afflicted. You'd be willing that one day if somebody comes and says, I'm going to flog you hard, boy. That we would be willing to stretch out and then say, this is for the name of Jesus. Take it. If somebody's going to befriend us on account of Jesus, we'd be willing to take it. We can't wait for that day for it to suddenly come alive in us. It is through the maturing now that's to be called into our lives. It is by saying, you know what, I realize it's summer and it's vacation time, but with Christ I'm not taking the summer off. I'm going to continue to read my Bible. I'm going to go to Bible study. I'm going to go to church, not because we need your attendance, but because we need to mature in Christ. We need to know how to tell our kids about Jesus. We need to know Jesus for ourselves. Through our afflictions, it becomes this great backdrop of how precious and gracious God is. And while we might not have a terrorist coming in today, the things that will come into your life will be hard. But in those moments, will you be willing, will you be willing to suffer in the midst of that affliction to share Jesus? Katie was talking with a friend recently who has been battling cancer. Asking, well, how, what's it been like? I know, and yeah, it's, it's been a struggle. It's hard with the family. With, you know, it interrupts the schedule. It's, it's cost an exorbitant amount of money. I mean, all these things that you can imagine would go on with the cancer. You know, nobody asks for that. But you know what? The opportunity to have cancer becomes this great backdrop to where this woman can come into her unbelieving doctor and say, yeah, but you, have you seen the miracles of Jesus in my life? You have to admit you've seen it. Now, I don't want cancer. Boy, if that day comes, I pray that I am willing to stand before a, a non-believing, worldly, humanistic doctor Say, let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you about the power of Jesus in my life. Not only the ways that he's healed me, but the way he stretched himself 
out on the cross and suffered and was afflicted for me because the most epic and greatest story ever told wasn't Cinderella and it wasn't just Paul going here and there. The greatest story ever told was the fact that when God looked at us, he could have had it easy. He could have been comfortable and just shrugged his shoulders and walked away. But instead, it became epic when the father said, I will allow my son, my beloved, to leave the comforts of home and go down to that earth and pay for a people who do not love me. That's an epic story. That's the story. Father's Day. For a father who looked down at us and said, oh, let me show you what suffering looks like. When they sent Jesus to that cross, he was beaten within an inch of his life. And they pressed that crown of thorns on his head. They robbed him of his clothes and they beat him and they spat on him and they mocked him. And they left him all alone up there bleeding like a piece of ground meat. The hardest part was when the Father in heaven looked at him spread out there as the sacrificial lamb. And the conflict there was that when he looked at him, he looked at the sin of Jason. And if you've called upon the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of sin, he looked upon Jesus and he saw your sin. And because it was so gross, because you're so wicked, but because his love is epic, he looked at that disgusting mess on the cross and he turned away. And the son cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And the reason the father turned away from Jesus was so that when you prayed for forgiveness, that he wouldn't turn away from you. That when he would come back down to his people, the body which he suffered and was afflicted for, who Paul went through that for so that we could know this message and for the message that many others have sacrificed to give you, that when you know that message and become a part of the body of Christ, you also become his bride. And it took a large work in the midst of suffering for him to come back to his bride and say, the glass slipper fits. The reality of the gospel is that he comes back and it will be happily ever after because of what he suffered. Happy Father's Day. As we close, I want to come to this moment of just kind of recognizing in my own heart, I need the power of God working within me to bring my heart to a willingness to suffer, to give up me time, to have Bible study time with my kids, to give up my money, to give it where the Lord wants it for the ministry to go forward, to give up all my desires and to lay them down and say, Lord, I willfully lay down my life and if you want me to suffer so that you can tell the epic story of the gospel to whomever and whenever people come across my path and do it. I need my heart to be there and to do it willingly. Because Paul said at the beginning of this passage that he rejoices. He rejoices for the opportunity to suffer. We're going to close with a song that is normally sang 
around funerals and death. But today I want to apply it to the willingness of us to say, whatever comes into my life that may be tough and hard, if it's for the sake of the gospel, me sharing about Jesus, me helping others mature, me being a better dad, me being a better grandma, me being, then it is well with my soul. It is well. Lord, you are God. You've saved me. No matter what Satan might try, whatever comes against, it's just, it is well. Are you at a place where you can say, it is well? Today, you might need to come and pray here. You may just need to sit and ball in your seat. The Lord calls us to be at a place of just being willing. Maybe today the suffering won't come, but if if your heart's not already starting to go in that direction of being willing, when the day of suffering comes, you might shrink away. You might shrink away. But before that day comes, offer yourself to the Lord. Say, Lord, by your power, help me, help me be willing. It is well with my soul.